Jesper, welcome. Good to have you, my friend. Thank you so much. And good to see you. It's actually been a while since we caught up, so. It's been. It's been. Uh, yeah. Which uh, was pre-COVID, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. I mean, t- that, that COVID period, I've said so many times, is like a... Time warp. Th- those, yeah, time warp. Those two years don't exist for me, so. I, yeah, I think we talked. Uh, yeah, actually, I remember 20 spring when people were in the COVID so that we were still still trying to figure out and we were all so confident. Yeah, yeah, let's, I mean, let's just do this and let's do ghost kitchens there. And, you know, we're, we're just going to be, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's going to be no worries and we're going to be tackled, tackled through this. And then, yeah. you know, three months later, everybody's like, it's okay. amazing how much energy we had. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, know, when you think back yeah, and, you know, we're so we're like, okay, this is going to be a short thing. You know, we'll get through this three, four months. We'll yeah. come up with some new business concepts and, you know, It'll be all good. And then two years later, we've, we're all 25 kilos less. Look yeah. like we've had cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we're, we're just we're worn out. I remember like, guess we were, we were like, I remember saying to my team like, okay, let's bite the bullet, but then we'll have summer. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Yeah. We'll have summer. Yeah, like imagine exactly. that, guys, you know. it's Exactly. Trying then, to keep everyone motivated and everything yeah. as well. But I, I think that was like, you know, what everything everybody was striving for but you know that obviously that was like you know exactly impossible 100 percent. but then yeah. again when this last time when it hit like just before christmas or then it for the first time like of course only affected you know my new business mm-hmm. so having to put one business like or shut one business opening another one up and putting all of your energy there and then when you're by the end of the year you're like like god yeah we made it so now, now we can, you know, just go home, have Christmas rest for the year, and then we're gonna, you know, start the next year with a bang, and then actually have to call everybody just before Christmas and be like, here's your Christmas gift, here's a bottle of gin, <laughs> yeah. and here's your papers for you, Deco, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, yeah, that that's was, how it was. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, but the last one was, was by far the worst for me. I mean, the first one, first one was difficult because it, it was, uh, you didn't know how to handle it really. And then, like, uh, I lost so much, which I didn't realize at the moment, like how much of my, I'm not sure what the word for it is, but like a part of my identity, what, what I do day to day, like the purpose of my, like, daily routines just wasn't there anymore. Yeah, well, so much of like our industry, we're yeah. kind of on these like train tracks, right? <clears throat> so yeah. every day we're always just like pumping the, you know, pumping the wheels on the same tracks and you get into this rhythm. That's why we don't take vacations. Yeah. Getting back from vacation, it's so hard to get back on those rails mm-hmm. and trying to figure out that, that flow. And we have like long hours and, you know, high stress environment. Yeah. So when you go like up and down through something like COVID, it's so hard to stay on, on track. You ever get that feeling when you get, get on, go on vacation? It's like, man, I have such more good momentum going. Why, why do I do this now? It's you're, awful. I have, I have all of this and this. I mean, I have so much ideas now. Like, we should have done it. And then you're like, no, 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 relax. You're on vacation now. And then we, when you get back, your your ideas are already, like, you've forgotten about it. Or, like, you yeah. feel like you lost all of your momentum. And then it's just like, fuck. 100%. Like, yeah, it's been, like, I, three months getting back that momentum and yeah. those ideas. And 100%. Yeah. So I, I want to, for, for the listening purpose, yeah, I, I want to introduce you a little bit. And, and talk a little bit about kind of your, your history in the industry. You've been around for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I think your biggest project historically is Hunkwa Sushi, right? Yeah. 
Cool. But talk a little bit about where you started uh, pre-Hanko Sushi and then kind of how you got up to that. Pre-Hanko Sushi, like, I'll, I'll take this all the way back. Cool. Uh, first of all, one of my first, probably one of my first, like, restaurant uh, experiences that I remember that I really enjoyed was in, in the old town of Borovo at a cafe. Oh yeah? Yeah, because my grandmother's like from here, so like we used to visit. That's interesting. A lot. So, but I remember like, you know, I remember like a small bottle of Sprite. I remember the the, te- the smell of coffee. And then I remember like, you know, this big voice Ilmapulla thing. And oh, then yeah. like from those, then I always come, wanted to come back. And I remember like when I was older, I, I wanted, I didn't want the Sprite or the pool as much. I didn't want the feeling, you know? Yeah. The, like the, the kind of the ambience yeah. and all of that yeah. and it took me the warm hug yeah, that is hospitality yeah. <laughs> and that was uh for me that was like it, it it took me a while until i understood like that's how big of a part that's also is about the industry i mean it like you think when you're a young cook you're just thinking okay if i get make good food it's gonna be enough it's mm-hmm. like it's dude that's like a third you yeah. know and it's it you know it should be a given if you're you know have a restaurant that you know the product should be good yeah Unless you're like in a central railway station somewhere, you can just sell, just pump out yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and, and uh, I was the kid who had a, like, of course, different Lego sets, everything from like Robin Hood to, you know, a pirate ship. But I also had a restaurant. So yeah, a res- restaurant, like a Lego, Lego restaurant. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I remember like my mom totally fucking up the interior, putting it, putting the stickers the wrong way. So like it said restaurant, but it was like up and down because she didn't realize how it was going. And she was like, you know, the helping parent being like, you know, I'm, I'm going to help you with these stickers because you're too little and you're going to screw it up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, shows what you know. But anyway, like <laughs> part of me always was going for like I was the kid who were playing, of course, ninja outside, but also like uh, playing restaurant inside and, you know, having yeah. pop up restaurants for my parents when I was like, you know, 10 years old or. Yeah. Or even I think even younger, like my first ones, but kind of like, you know, when, when you're just, you know, playing yeah. role playing at home. So it was kind of a, I don't want to say like a given that it, it's going to it was an interest of mine for sure. But uh, but but uh, how should I say my other passion has always been sports yep. and haven't ever really decided what sport I'm going to do because, you know, they're all I mean, all the ones I like, I just, you know, do them kind of like without any specific goal. It's yep. just if it gives you joy, you just want to do it. So basically those are the to- those are the two things I also studied was like culinary school and then sports. Okay. So when I was like, of course, I think I was like, you know, basic 16, 17 when I went to culinary school and then studied there, mm-hmm. but uh, but then again, I, I was a really young dad as well. So I was like in my 20s when I knew I'm going to get my daughter. Oh, wow. So then I also realized quite fast that if I want to do the other things in life, I should maybe find a different line of profession. So I was like, okay, I owe it to myself that, all right, I'm going to go and study sports. So I worked, I started working at the restaurant industry, of course, through school when I was just like, under 18 mm-hmm. but then again started also studying sports when you know 20s too and i actually when i finished up that school i would think i was like 24 
23, 20, yeah, 24 probably. And at that time, uh, I worked, of course, a bit around Helsinki, but I was never kind of the child prodigy, like cook or chef that's gonna be, you know, I, I didn't go to, I had no interest of going to like work at Savoy or Palace or like a French bistro or, or a la carte thing. Yeah. I don't really know, probably like because of my also background being being born and raised in 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 Vanta, and this is like late '90s, early 2000s. So the restaurant industry wasn't, or the, the restaurant scene wasn't like as uh, as how should I say as close as vibrant. Yeah, I mean it was just like you know <laughs> yeah. hotel kitchens and then a few other ones. Yeah. So I remember when I did my internships in culinary school, I definitely wanted to go on my last year to make sushi or make something totally different. Okay. And that was my first touch, basically, on, uh, on sushi. And one of those things are like, you know, as I said, I like sports and I like doing stuff. So for me, always cutting stuff was super uh, fun. Yeah. So, you know, there, you know, you, you have the same instrument all the time and, you know, it's, you use that for the most and for everything. So it was, for me, it was like, how should I say, really cool and in that way, natural. But sushi wasn't like a, a big thing here at that no, time. No, no, was this was like two thousand three. Yeah. So how did you discover sushi? Like you just for the first time decided raw fish was like your thing, or <laughs> <laughs> no? I think it was like I really wanted to try something that, like the my I knew it was my last internship, so I know also it's it's the last time I can kind of like, you know, do whatever. Sure. So why shouldn't I do something that's totally different from the rest that I'm learning? Yeah. So, and then I really liked it because I mean, sushi is so, how should I say? It's, it's in a way it's kind of like simple, but it's so precise. So then again, like the reasons like um, behind good sushi is of course like ingredients and then it's really skill based. So, and you can't really lie on, you can't just put a sauce on top and be like, hey, you know, it's supposed to look like that or you know you can't hide your mistakes in the same way yeah you can't slice the fish into ripped up chunks of yeah pieces and then be like yeah it's a good cut yeah because there's, there's no lie <laughs> exactly and, yeah. and, and any any rice is like 70 80 percent of it it's like you know you know you have to be good at that you have your base of what you're doing has to be good so you have to kind of respect the process all the all, yeah. all the way through did you get some kind of like overseas experience or exposure to oh, sushi yeah that that was like uh that was much later on though but, okay uh, but uh at that place we also had a pretty international kitchen kitchen mm -hmm. where i where i was doing the internship then and then uh, then i worked then i worked a bit here and there during my studying time but you know i had uh you know did your basic caterings and uh, what are like rental companies when you just go somewhere and, yeah. and I did one summer at uh, Lina Mackey. Kind of like these VMP, yeah, you just yeah. kind of get thrown wherever you end up yeah. and That's, for people not from Finland, they're like staff rental agencies. Yeah. So you always know you're in for a shit show when, when you know. Yeah, because you usually end up in some understaffed location with very yeah. low skill level, base skill level and yeah, yeah, there might be one or two guys who know what they're doing, but they're so overwhelmed with work already <laughs> yeah, and stressed, exactly. and then you, you know, exactly. <laughs> you just feel sorry for them and don't want, you know, don't want their measure to be any, any, any deeper. Yeah. But that, and then I worked for like, which was for me like a big thing. Like during my studying time, I worked uh, at this one 
uh, entrepreneur, this lady who was, I think she was under 40, like at that time, and she had uh, a cafe in Espo, pretty close to where I moved, and it was by the beach. So like, like working with her for, I think I worked like four years or like four summers and then weekends. Okay. So it's just, you know, uh, how did you say, a, a fairly simple cafe. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, uh, how should I say, to understand how a restaurant or like how a business really works was, uh, was from her. So that, Okay, so that was your fo- first exposure to like the actual inside running of yeah. the restaurant business. Yeah, I mean, all this, from calculating. In, in yeah. Yeah. And all from like calculating, like, you know, What's yep. the what's the take of the day? Yep. So I was basically in charge of like lunch. Yep. And uh, and it, it and of course it came pretty naturally for me to also do a lot of other stuff. You know, just make sure that everything's running as it should. Yep. But uh, that then probably also like considering my dad working for the same construction company for thirty and something years, which was also like a family-owned business. Yep. So I kind of like always respected that if you work for somebody, you kind of like you know, give them all and, you know, yeah. you make it work commit together. Commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. And not just kind of like trying to milk it, but really like commit to it and, and do it as good as There's possible. something that really is, is scarce. Yeah. In today's employment world. Yeah. I got like, told that already, like, I think it was my second summer or something. And, and then some of the customers like, just you're kind of, you're, you're weird. <laughs> you've, been, <laughs> you've been here more than a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that, it's, it's amazing how the industry has changed over yeah. the last, you know, Man, even five years. Five years, yeah. But if, a you, lot. if you stretch that timeline out to like 10, 15 years, yeah. you don't recognize what's going on. No. Like it's it's a totally different world now. Yeah. And it, I think that's like one of the hardest things. Well, for our, our position is just keeping up with those trends. Because oh, they yeah. change constantly, right? Yep. But, but sushi in Finland, from what I understand, like 10 years ago, was a huge trend. Oh. Especially like on the buffet side sushi buffets and stuff had cut started coming out and oh that was like they started coming like 2013 14 yeah okay more yeah like uh that's when it really that's that kind of started we started okay. hanko in 2009 oh okay that long ago yeah okay and i mean interesting interesting fact was like you know we're two, looking at two locations and one of them was at Uudenmaankatu, mm-hmm. and the other one was this old like glassware shop in Omena. Okay. And uh, the guys, like I, I just heard this story, like when, when they told, told told this to me, like later on that, you know, you know, they, of course they chose the one in Omena, but the one they looked at, at Uudenmaankatu in 2010 turned to be sushi bar at wine. Oh, interesting. It is, yeah. And like, cause it's, they're like, I think they're roughly like six or nine months apart or something. Yeah. But then again, they're like, totally different from from the get-go yeah. already like yeah you know, that's right totally different one. models entirely yeah and yeah. then it's like the other place you can actually sell wine but the other one's takeaway potential is like how should i say enormous like endless basically yeah yeah especially that time when there wasn't that play. I, I remember like in espo there were like three places doing it and this was when like eat pista was still like a a thing that you could go and look at restaurants like way before you could use, use Walt as your restaurant Google. Yeah. So, so yeah, I remember there's like three places and now there's just like within, I don't want to lie, 
but I think it's, it was, yeah, now it's like within, I want to say 150 meters, there's a buffet, uh, of, co of course, a sushi buffet, a Hanko sushi. Both of the supermarkets have their own places. With sushi, sushi inside, like these yeah, sushi yeah. take and sushi yeah. daily and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, and yeah. then a sushi bar at wine, and then also like a, kind of like a pokeball or sushi burrito places. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, you know, if something changed in 10 years, so like that for sure. Yeah. And I remember when people are always asking, hey, do you think like when does this trend end, you know? And yeah. then I said like, no, no, it's, it's, it came here to stay. And there was like, nah, you know, we see in this, you know, it, it comes and goes, but you know, it doesn't never really stick. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, I think, because it's, it's not just a, it's not a single trend that it's following either. Yeah. It's also this, this uh, kind of uh, focus around healthy eating or fresh eating as well, which is, even though there's a lot of calories to sushi, Yeah. You know, but but still, people see it as like a fresher product than going and eating like a fried noodle buffet or oh, yeah. something like this. So it's kind of following two two trending, uh, you know, upswings in a way. It's not just one. So so Hanko Sushi started two thousand nine already, which I, I I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah. And then how many locations do they have now? I'm really sorry. You have to Google that, but I want to say like twenty five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Because cool. we, we had more, but like, of course, you know, the, the business has changed and shifted a lot. And then, of course, COVID didn't do any good and, you know, market anyway. I would say like the whole restaurant business was for the past, past like 10 years, it was like on steroids. Like, yeah. like think what kind of rent we have to pay. Yeah, like it's in, insane. In, like, come it's on. Insane. I, like, I pay like a fifth what I paid at, at Stockman now. Like yeah. and imagine like you know the the location how big it is now so yeah so exactly. I'm hope I hope I'm hoping like if something good comes out of the COVID that at least you know we would calm it down a bit yeah on that. yeah I'm I'm hoping the same I think yeah. landlords need to kind of get back on the same page yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> they're reading a totally different books so. I mean I would rather rather pay people more like the staff more hundred percent like yeah. and yeah. then of course if you're doing good of course you can pay more. Yeah, but if well, you're not, so then it's like exactly because kind of, the the expense ratios are changing. Yeah, you know, and every year you just watch watch one number go up, and you watch the ability of what you can pay people go down. Yeah, and the other thing you see go down is your profit. <laughs> so it's like, and every year, like, you know, especially because our consumer demand in Finland is quite stagnant. So I find that we don't really have a drive to um, to increase you know base level prices the good thing is that the lunch seems to be going up and that's with the health help of the lunch voucher which is you know shout out to Enred for upping it because it's it's important for us yeah it means that we can start charging 11 30 instead of 10 90 and that 40 cents makes a big difference but it's you know it's it's every year year the, the <laughs> same 20. yeah yeah exactly but anyway i i, I remember 2009 was when we started we had I think we had staff was like I think we were five when we opened up. Okay. And we had twelve seats in two thousand nine. And by fourteen, no, I, I want to say I want to say thirteen, but two thousand thirteen, I, I think we had like ten. And uh, I don't remember how much staff, but like enough. Enough, yeah, <laughs> at that point. But that, then, of course, like later on, I remember like when we had over 12, that was like kind of, or like 20, that was for me like, okay, like from those 12, yep. 
and those five we started with, you know, you kind of like cherish the things that you know you did right. Mm -hmm. And then of course it's, it's kind of like, it's cool to be a part of like something growing at that rate and to be able to like uh, scale yeah. a restaurant. What, what was your, how did you get kind of introduced to Hanko Sushi or well, like that, how, how did that kind of relationship start? That was a bit of an accident really. Cause I just started, I was, as I said, I studied to, to uh, get out of the business mm. for the most. But then I needed a kind of more like a steady job mm -hmm. to get uh, some bills paid. And then, uh, and of course having a daughter at that time already. But so it was, uh, yeah, I, I think in 2009, if I remember correctly, correctly I had like my, my tax card was in 11 different companies that paid me that year. Okay. So I was kind of aching for some stability. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so at the sports institute I studied at, I, I did some work for them there. And then I worked at a gym and then like, okay, so Hanka could be a kind of my, you know, nine to five or like my steady, mm -hmm. steady thing. And when I went into it, I really remember saying already at the job, in, job interview that, you know, of course I have some experience in this and I have experience of like running a, running a restaurant or, you know, a restaurant business but I don't want any responsibility. I just want, you know, to clock in and clock out. Yeah, so, you know, that didn't really work out, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it was- You became the main restaurateur for Hong yeah, Kong Sushi, right? Yeah. yeah. So your duties involved everything from staffing to daily operations to sourcing new locations. Was that also on your list? That or? was not really. Okay. Like that, those, uh, like the, the guys, guys behind Hanko were like, so they were like really brilliant in, in the sense that they weren't uh, from the industry at all. Okay. So they had a total different eye for it as well, which was like good. Yeah. So it, it gave me and the rest of the team like, you know, also, uh, how do you say it, like freedom or like, you know, we, did, we only had to look out for yeah. the location where we're running yeah. and doing, you know, the best, best and we could they would there. source locations and sort yeah. out renovations and... Again, because <clears> <throat> those guys were like hands-on, so they were innovating their, themselves. Cool. So cool. like, they were also the kind of entrepreneurs at that time, especially like that they would, if you need help, you could always call them, you know. You could have them wash dishes for you if, if like... It, it, if it, it got to that. Yeah, if it yeah. got to that. That's cool. So it was like, uh, I, I hope I... Rem I didn't call them too many times, but like, like I do remember, like it was at least a feel like that, and cool. we were doing it like, or at least for me, it felt that we were definitely doing it like together. Yeah. And uh, by the time I think we reached 2013, then I started feeling like, okay, I've been doing this for a while, and I already, I think I, I kind of made my like decision that okay, this is the path I'm gonna take. I'm gonna just do this. Like I did that probably at 2011, because like you, you know, you know, you know when you work at some restaurant or doing something, and you're like, okay, we're we're onto something different, something special here, you know. So we need to, you know. Yeah, well, you, you see it in the kind of customer patterns. You yeah. see it with repeat customers. You see it with the constant feedback and kind of the energy you have already. It's exactly. gonna be like you're like, okay, there's something yeah. here. Exactly. And we had we had good. We were blessed with good staff. Of course, we had some 
that weren't, but you know, the, the core team was quite good. Yeah. And I think it was like in 2011, I said like, okay, you know, I can take this location and, but I want to do it, do it like this. And this was like, I kind of like held my ground mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, I, I want to get paid this. I want these guys to get this. But I mean, or kind of like, I, I want to do this, but I will need this from you. Yeah. So then I can execute this. Yeah. So for me, that was also like highly motivating because then I had to show them. And you, you know. felt supported also. When, yeah. When, yeah. You know, when they agreed to that, you're like, okay, cool. We're on, you know, we're all moving in the same direction. And that's yeah. so important from the start of a project. Exactly. Especially one that you want to grow to multiple locations. Yeah. Because the steam runs out. <clears throat> you yep. need to constantly fuel the fire. And if you have partners that are moving in the same direction and you have a team that's moving in the same direction, it only helps the energy levels. I would agree. And it, it's, a, it's, I mean, it also like in, uh, in this industry, it's, it's really important you find a way how you can motivate yourself. Yeah, you absolutely. Because yeah. I, I had also, okay, one more location, six more months, 12 more months. Yep. And it wasn't like, okay, in 12 months, I'm going to quit. It yep. was more like, you know, in 12 months, I need to change my perspective of everything i need to have a different goal yeah exactly and uh you kind of almost have to set yourself personal kpis exactly right yeah yeah, just like stack them over a year stack them over 12 months yeah yeah for entrepreneurs because i a lot of a lot of the people that listen to this i think are are like new starting entrepreneurs and sometimes when the stress level gets high the motivation drops and it's almost like it's intrinsic so having those like personal KPIs, because they're not goals. Because I think the, I, I like to set goals on a personal level and I set KPIs on a business level. You know, it's it's just the way in which I utilize the language in my own head yeah. that says like, this is private and this is like, this is grinding, this is work focus. And then, you know, for, for people that just write down like, okay, this is the three month goal, six month goal or six month KPI. 12 month KPI. And then as you said, I think it's awesome advice is to go, this is where I'm going to readjust. Yeah. At this point, four locations, that's where I'm going to readjust. And cause you know, uh, like even though you have, you have a goal of always like long-term. So for like the bigger things in your life, you never know when it's going to happen necessarily. It's like, you know, I, I, I like to, I use skateboarding often as an example only blend like not for well for myself or going to the gym is also a good one you don't know at what time you're gonna hit that weight you're you're going after you know you might get injured you might you know get sick you you might from some reason miss out on practice and and when it comes to like skateboarding again it's like you have to figure out the way of doing it but you have to accept like in the beginning you're gonna be clumsy you're gonna be awkward you're gonna look like shit you know, you gotta you gotta have people like laughing at you or like you know at least you know yeah. giving a small like huh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so, but that same goes to like also your work life or yeah. like life in general. So you have to like um, have goals, and then you have to every now and then question like, am I doing the right things? Like, am I with the right people? Can I, who can I ask? You know, am I being honest with myself? That's like one of the biggest things I think for people is like they're not honest with themselves either like where they are. And for me, like one of the biggest, like was I was searching for motivation. And I remember like I was, I was taking good care, like well cared of at, at Hanko. And I talked to one of the owners and I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm 
kind of like I like I need something and him, then, then he was like just trying to get in my head like what dude like what is it with you you know would you want money again I was like no 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 it's just nothing to do with that it's just yeah. need, like I need something yeah and uh, basically I, I remember like in that slump I had was uh, then I I well for instance I had a knife I had a kitchen knife which I cut fish with when I knew it but with that knife I had cut fish that I sold a million euros with you How know cool is that? yeah then That's I knew it yeah. like okay then it's like I'm just gonna use this on special occasions yeah this is like mine I mean I still have it but it's like you know yeah that knife yeah so but yeah after that then I was like okay I'm gonna go to I want to fly to Japan I want to learn I want to know like the basics of everything I want to I want to be be thought by somebody else than people that just get the second-hand information yeah because those we have a lot oh and especially that time well this one time I was in Japan and you know they served me this and this is not like that and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that is relevant but okay I get that all the time yeah so then at this point as I said I was broke after I studied but at this time I already had I had some savings and then I was lucky enough to also I did uh, commentating for the snowboards at Sochi in 2014 so that was also a good kind of you know extra money okay. what yeah. you can get on this like like side okay that's cool yeah and then uh, something different yeah and then the of course the the owners pitch out a bit and then of course at this time I already got uh, got myself a credit card which you know I was definitely gonna max out <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I land which I did but uh, yeah so then then I went I, you know contacted people used also the contacts I had within the industry like you know uh, the biggest ones would have been uh, Kikkoman yep and you know they supported me a lot throughout the years like okay. uh, not like financially as much but you know getting information that you need yeah. or like hooking you up with the right people yeah so then they arranged some contacts for me and then okay. I basically asked everybody who had something to do with Japan and do you know anybody where should I go and blah 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 but uh, so I, I did kind of a program for me there and I was lucky enough to get some uh, practicing with this uh, third generation uh, sushi chef or sushi master, okay, uh, Mr. Norisan. So he was. Uh, so I did some sushi at, at there, and you know, at, and this most of it was at uh, the Tokyo Sushi Academy, which is kind of like, you know, there. The place to go. Yeah, I mean, like especially like if if you're if you're foreign or like a Westerner, that's that would be the only place that they would be able to speak English for you gotcha. or with you. Gotcha. So that was uh, that was there. So cool. And then you know, traveled Japan, bought knives, you know, ate a lot. I think I was like the the third week into having you know the taste of vinegar and mackerel in your mouth. And at that <laughs> time, I was like, you know, it's maybe time for some but something else. Yeah. For, for people that are traveling to Japan, what was your favorite spot? Oh. Well, I, my secret lover from for that trip was definitely like the street food game, the yakitori places and the okay. izakayas. Like that was, for me, it was something I really didn't expect. 
And one of the beauties... Like the quality of it or...? Like, yeah, well, but the food quality in general was like, that was, or like, that was surprisingly okay. good. But then again, like just the way they did it and how simple yet like flavorful everything is, mm -hmm. that was... And the way they eat is also like, you know, I, I just love the fact that, you know, instead of just going out drinking, you just, you know, you eat and then you drink and or then the other yeah. way around. Yeah. You know, so that's... That was really nice, and then because you have can have really good food, basically whatever whatever hour of the day. Yeah, the, so the food is like a huge part of the whole experience. Yeah, even for locals, it's like what you just said. It's not just about going out with your friends and drinking. There's always a food component or a culinary component yeah. too. Yeah, they they never drink without eating, which was like especially for Finnish people, something they should maybe <laughs> learn. <laughs> well, I mean, we do eat and drink, but that's usually like summertime when you're like, you yeah, know, yeah. Or really. you just get to that point in the night where you're like, man, I really have to eat something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, yeah. That or Christmas table. But, uh, uh, but yeah, that was like one of the most surprising things for me in that trip. Because like I was also naive in the way and you have to remember this was also almost like 10 years ago. So the exposure of like Instagram and okay, YouTube was around, but you really, really didn't have the same amount of... Now, nowadays you can go online and you can just stroll around yep. Tokyo if you want yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but at that time you couldn't really. You could, you could do a little like, you know, Google Earth thing, like Street View stuff, but yeah. that was basically it. And nothing like today. You can no, get like no. 3D views and you can like... Yeah. You can do this whole thing where you like swoop in all the way down. It's, it's insane. But uh, and but one thing I did like uh, deliberately, which I really thank myself for, was also like, of course I did. I had a program where to go and so on, but I really didn't like. I didn't get too much information beforehand about Tokyo or Japan. I mean, okay. I learned manners, yep. and you know how to conduct at business meetings and so on, but. But then again, like, because I really wanted the culture shock, because that was what I heard, like, when people move there, that it's so different. Okay. And, uh, yeah, for me, that was, because in a way, I wanted it to be overwhelming, because I knew I can only go one time there for the first time and, like, really get lost. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So... That's a good way of seeing it. Yeah, I mean, and, and we really landed that one, because, like, we, we flew to, to Tokyo, to Narita. Yep. And then we directly took a bullet train to Osaka, which okay. like, if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense because you could just fly right to Osaka. Yep. But for some reason, like that was the way we had to do it. So, and the flight leaves like at five in the evening. So, and it lands like three or four in the morning. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's morning there already. So you kind of, you miss the whole, uh, a night. And then you instantly take a bullet train to the other, other side of Japan and then you have to find your hotel. And at that time, for the first time on the trip, you realize, you know, nobody's speaking English. There's no <laughs> signs in English. Yeah. You don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah. You don't know where your hotel is. <laughs> you have a few, few printed, you know, documents, yeah. which you got from like this internet cafe you went into. And then you're like coming out of there and you're like, which way is north? <laughs> So it's probably that way. <laughs> and then you walk for like, I think we walked like two hours or something. End up circumnavigating Osaka. More, like more or less, we were just super lost. And at that point you're so jet lagged, you're so tired. Yeah. And I remember like, like I was trying to have this, cause also like uh, smart as I am, I also 
took in new shoes on the trip that was really the, oh were, yeah which were really cool yeah you want blisters yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and turns out the, the shoes wasn't wasn't that good of a fit yeah oh so yeah so but they look cool so yeah yeah which was they looked cool for about two hours on that trip and that was it <laughs> but yeah having blisters on my feet being totally lost and nobody speaking english like then away then of course like you know we we found a way to communicate to a to a cab driver who took us yeah. to the hotel and then then we got wi-fi yeah. a few hours of sleep in and then you know then the adventure started well, sounds like a good trip yeah it was you know it's how should i say you know you learned a lot yeah so the the hunko business model when it was kind of kicking off yeah. what was what was the initial focus was it quality over quantity quality of seafood what was the what was the model for hunko like the first place i worked it at 2003 like one thing that would i would say was uh, the biggest difference between that place and hanko was like i couldn't stand how uh, salmon nigiri tasted like the first time i had it in okay. 2003 because it was horrible okay the explain the flavor a little bit like it's like how should i say super much vinegar Okay. not much else and then kind of a fish that's a bit suspect like you feel a bit unsafe even okay. eating it okay i mean we got it like pre-cut there and like people really didn't like a part of them knew what they were doing but kind of like you know the managing of the place where at that time still compared to like what we learned yeah. afterwards was, was different and i'm not like saying everything they did was horrible yeah but like it was it was a totally different ball game already yeah. in 2009 and of course you know you know what everybody had learned during that period yep. you know you knew what you have to go different so it was especially like as i said the guys uh owning hanko was definitely like uh how should they they wanted to do good you know because as they came outside of the industry so they didn't kind of even realize in the way that you know what they were asking they had yeah. kind of the customer point of view which was like for me super frustrating at times but then again it was super good because that's exactly where your focus has to be. Yeah, that's and that's true, something yeah. something that people who just work the kitchen often forget about. For for the newbies that don't, you know, just eat at sushi buffets. Yeah, explain a little bit about the difference of bad quality sushi and good quality sushi. Well, well the first first is always the rice. Okay, it has to be in balance with with the rest. It's. Uh, you mean like texture-wise or well, texture like and flavor? Of of okay, yeah. So it's always like a good nigiri should, uh, when you put it in your mouth, it should always just like kind of explode or, you know, it should basically melt. You should never have to like really chew, okay. you know, the rice. So the rice should be soft and, yeah. and like fluffy, or is it more creamy? I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to kind of get a description. Like, if, of if you open a good one, a good nigiri, you, you will, or, or a maki, you could always see the the rice being separate. Because okay. when it's separate in your mouth, it goes, you yeah. know, under your lip, under your your gums, like basically all the all around. Yeah. And that will create, you know, the umami or like the, you know, everything about it. Okay. So when when you have that happening in your mouth, yeah, that's your like number one flavor for whatever you're having. So like. The yeah. rice is there to enhance the flavor of the ingredients you're having. Got you. Okay, so, so excuse my ignorance. No, no. Is there any addition to the rice or is it just plain rice? No, of course. You, you have to have the right type of rice. Okay. And yeah. then you have to have uh, 
rice vinegar yep. and to which you flavor according to what you're going to use it to got you okay and then the other 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 kind of like tell is always like you should always flavor your your soy sauce accordingly to your vinegar so they have to be in balance because if they're in in balance then you know you're like you're, salt to acidity kind yeah. of yeah okay so and nothing should ever like a, a good rice sh- should taste like rice and vinegar okay you know okay. so it, sh- it should have flavor yeah and the original flavor and, as well. okay that makes because when you combine that with something with a bit of uh horseradish or you know your your wasabi powder and then the fish has it been hard to so as you because uh, you know from momotoko's perspective yeah. one of the things that i focus on a lot is trying to maintain a consistency in quality throughout the expansion was oh, that yeah. something that was hard for for hunko as you guys grew so fast was it hard to maintain that that exact pl- the flavor profile that you're explaining oh yeah of course yeah i mean I, and it doesn't really matter how how good of instructions you give especially nowadays you can have like videos for everybody and um, so how did you get around how, how what was your method to get around that well we well i mean because when we were smaller it was also like uh easy to always like train the people who's going to be in charge of the next place properly yep. and then you kind of manage them and make sure they you know, teach it the right way also and make sure that they are in, you know, they're in charge of the quality. Gotcha. So you're pre-educating like the manager for the next yeah. location and they're in charge of then trickling down their education yeah. to them people. Yeah. And of course you have okay. this and, and I'm, which I did for years was like, I, I drove around a lot. Yeah. And then, you know. Checking places. And yeah. Checking, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I that, hope, that gets hard after like seven, eight locations. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and when it's you're so, doing like 10, 12 locations. It's, yeah. And it's, it's also like, you know, the like you don't want to micromanage or like yeah. I wouldn't want to micromanage too yeah. much. But then again, like every now and then you have people who really want to just do their own thing. And then you're kind of like being like, like, I mean, I love your enthusiasm, yeah. but, you know, you have to stick to the recipes. Yeah. Like you yeah. can you can talk to people how you want to, basically. But like, please. Yeah. Like, and when you're, when you're visiting location, location, you only have a certain amount of time. Yeah. So sometimes you're just like, all right, I'm going to point this out to him this time. Next time I come, I'll focus on this. Next time I come, I'll focus on that. Yeah. So it seems like you're micromanaging, even though you have like a, a plan or a strategy on how you're going to improve that individual. Yeah. But it can definitely be, I think that's one of the most challenging things for me is looking at about, looking about how we expand in a way that is both healthy for the business and healthy for the employees because there's this balance between how much pressure we put on the people that are passionate about working with us and are moving into management positions and upper management positions yeah and how much pressure we put on those people to kind of support the business development long term versus things like profit and the bottom line effectively because you can add lots of people to the opening of a location, but that makes it unprofitable. Oh yeah. Right. So even though you can, you can cover those issues by adding staff or adding equipment or whatever it might be, you're also increasing cost. So it's a kind of fine balance, right? And I mean, I I could like almost pinpoint when we were opening a new shop that it's going to tank because we had the wrong staff there. Like, or then it got turned around, you know, it, it, yeah. it's, uh, that's killer. It when is. you open a location, you're like, oh, yeah, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to 
this has got to start again. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had a we had a good track record, like not actually being able. I mean, not uh, having like successful ones for a long time. But then again, we had you know a few misses. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, as I said, we had a really good 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 rate coming. Like we had good people working as yeah. with us, and but of course, in everybody's own team, it's always more difficult. For sure. And. Uh, but we did get sold when we were like five years old okay, or so, something. So was that like 2014? 2014. 2014. Okay, yeah. 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 yeah, right after my J- Japan trip and okay. all that. Then we got into like kind of a big house. And that was also like for me, like a huge, huge shock. But uh, but going back, we can go back to that in a bit. But, yeah. you know, going to every location and, and how you manage the people there because it's still like it's still a people business. Yeah. And that was for me like the reason why it like was so successful and like because we were in doing something special to begin with yeah you know the guys gave us kind of like uh, a setting to to perform good and an idea what we should be doing yeah and then but we took it from there okay and then i remember like saying because when we were discussing like you know how many hours we can use per day and i was, I was saying like okay I mean that's never gonna work, you yeah. know. And then having to fight those things, and then try to explain to them also, like you know, everybody's so in that this is our restaurant. I mean, you can yeah. own it, but like this is our place. Yeah. You know, this is you know everybody identifies them already, like the whole team that you know, and we're gonna make this work. It's gonna be. So that's like, uh, and how should I say, motivation in that team was also like a big thing going on, and we had that at many locations. Yeah in the beginning but as you said when you grow it always comes with the issue also like at, at what time it starts growing the other way kind of like okay this exactly. is just a chain or yeah. like yeah exactly yeah and trying to you try to maintain this like non-chain mentality yeah throughout the team and also throughout the branding and stuff because even though it looks like a chain from the outside when you're in when you're in the situation, you're yeah. in the business, it doesn't feel like a chain. Nope. Like every single restaurant feels so personal and so private and yeah. like, you know, it, it, you can't get out of the mentality. What, what you said that just there is really interesting for me because it's something I really try hard to do and maintain with my management strategy is provide, provide a direction and a platform and then let a little bit of creativity take over from the individual I give it to yeah i think it's a much more effective way of developing mm, developing a team that's that's uh not committed but that's driven to the same goal as what the company's trying to achieve yeah do you know what i mean yeah 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 but, but that's the only way you can be a team if, yeah if you have a common goal Hundred percent, and that's the whole thing. Like, if if everybody's like it, it, within the team, their KPIs would be, like, uh, you know, in three years, I want to be here, or I want to learn how the business works. And you have to always like, like remember that they're you're just gonna have them on your on your, on your team for a few years, and you have to let them grow. Yeah, the you hard know? part of that in our industry though is we have so many people that aren't focused on being here long term. Yeah, so you're trying to get those people you know, invested into what you're trying to achieve, even if they're there for like a three month period, even if they're there for a summer, even if they're there just until they get their job in IT, whatever it might be, you're trying to get them involved in what you're trying to achieve. And I still think the best way to do that is to 
leave a little bit of openness to creativity and a little bit of openness to you know suggestion of change from from managers not just from managers but also from employees as well yeah but that, that's the whole thing like you're most of the people who come in the industry are also young you know and i remember when i was like young so i how should i say like i really respect and appreciate everybody who had the tolerance with me yeah who taught me and also like uh, gave me the opportunity to to learn so for me it was also like i could i wanted to when when people were work, working for hanko i wanted when they leave that they would leave kind of like that the experience there was something valuable for them yeah because like the the best uh, experience like job experiences i had before that i valued the experience like way over the money because it took me somewhere i wanted to be yeah. in the long run totally agree so my whole career is built on that yeah my whole career is built on i've i don't think i've in very very few cases i've asked about salary or wage or yeah. remuneration it's just been about okay working with this person is going to allow me to learn more about this or working in this you know group is going to learn give me an opportunity to be involved in opening new locations and and you never know kind of like what you get in return Like, exactly 100%. And, and you know how should I say like and and especially like we, we keep what we have by giving it away. So that whole kind of thing goes like when you're honest and you're just trying to help other guys. Yeah. Like in three years they could be, you know, helping you out. I mean, let's say you have somebody who's studying, I don't know, like let's say business now and he's going to give you your next bank loan. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, yeah, years. exactly. Because yeah. you don't, you don't like. You don't know. You, no, you don't know. No. And then again, uh, and if if he helped you there, it was like. Yeah. Because I mean, the, I I just came from service, straight from service here, and one of the guests sitting there was this, this uh, woman I who was. Like working already in the industry when I was doing my first internship when I was like seventeen, and my God, I I was horrible like. I was so young in the way that you know like my attitude and like how should I say I wasn't like I wasn't mean or yeah. anything but you know I don't know really where my focus was yeah but she had she had you know the nerves and tolerance with me <laughs> and uh, I think because I otherwise I had kind of like a rough period then especially there and it, I think it was the first year I was studying yeah so I probably would have quit but she was like she had the you know as I said tolerance the, the patience the patience yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah. so like because of her like she's one of the reasons I'm still in the industry when when you were working with Hong Kong did you think of uh, different ways to kind of or or different educational courses or benefits that you could offer staff to uh, you know improve certain areas just as an example recently with Momotoko we did a management and leadership course and I gave staff or like the the management that attended. I gave them like certificates, you know, Momotoko diplomas. Oh, good. Yeah, and it was just like kind of, it w- it was something that I think that they felt um, could be applied in in any scenario, and it wasn't just specific to Momotoko, but it was something they can utilize, you know, growing their careers. Did you ever think about doing that with Hanko? Is that was I mean, there something you did with them or? We kind of did it, of course, but it was uh, it, it depended a bit on the era. Like the first, like before we were sold, I mean, people got, people got to know the numbers. 
you know yeah. so you have to understand the numbers and where they're coming from yeah. to understand the business what you're doing of course but yeah. then again you can just say like you know like you know you're good because your staff was only like staff cost was 25 percent that's that's the way let's everybody do it like curtis did this month yeah. and yeah let's give a hand to curtis <laughs> yeah but you know the but the key factors are there like what are we actually after and how do we achieve it yeah exactly so then what we did for the most of course like uh, we had a lot of people coming in to the restaurant where like in omen at that time was what was the like main base still yep also because the facilities were a bit bigger and okay. when we started off that was also the place where we used to ship all the ingredients all gotcha. around because gotcha. at that time you know that was you, like your central kitchen yeah kind of because you, yeah. you you didn't really have uh, like nowadays you can get like sushi rice from from any like tukku like that yeah but back then it was like you couldn't oh really. interesting where were you getting it from back then oh, well we used sweden a lot okay yeah like and i mean you, you can get anything basically online and you know the, that's true yeah i think like you know bb restaurants you would like vivo and then stuff like hakan yep. already at yep. that time was a okay. major hub for also asian food gotcha and then uh, but of course there's there was more but uh, but yeah anyway that grew and uh, eventually of course we figured out a better way to get the ingredients around yeah but uh, but yeah but coming to actually like teaching people and that so we had a lot of people coming in there to practice you know skills and see how the concept is supposed to work yeah and then later on once we got purchased by Royal Ravintolat in 2014 then at that point of course we had a lot of these different kind of like courses when it came in which were then again most of them was like bought from a school or something yeah which was never like quite as personal but then again I think we met with every manager like three or four times a year okay and always with on those occasions we tried to have something yeah you know something we can learn from like and usually it was like best practices yep from different places just kind of like you know collected or here is where where we are now and here is where we want to be in yep. a year kind of exposing those individuals to what yeah. was happening on the collective yeah yeah cool but that's i mean if it's of course if you have the same team for a longer period it's easier <clears throat> but then again like in the long run it's you know it when it gets big and as i said like jumping from the thing that you know it's a family-owned restaurant to the thing that you know it's a chain yeah so personally for me like you know going to japan all of, all of this and I'm, i mean if, for me of course it was a big thing but it was also something that we we like put in the brand and i know like that was one of the one of the like main storylines we had and that was also kind of a part of like you know when we got bought you know that you know we have this and this is where our quality comes from and our yeah. knowledge and blah 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 but we've done the back the back, yeah. the back work and uh, this was like at this time we were doing our own blog okay and you know facebook and instagram and that was like when instagram was kind of like picking up you, you probably know better but you know i'm not sure if i'm supposed to point at him no, but, but 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 uh, the man behind knows, the camera yeah, that man behind the camera probably remembers better that you know when 2014 <clears throat> when that started coming about like before that everybody just had a blog or something yeah, yeah. but then it started kind of like you know big yeah to be something became more visual than it was yeah like you know reading text and and then i remember i was this was like and this was the point i was still of course naive also because like 
And this time my work experience was for smaller companies, something we, we did on our own. So I was, I was already aware that if I want to achieve something in life or I want to achieve something, I have to work for it. I have to do it and I have to like make sure and push it until it's going to be somewhere. But then again, suddenly you get to this big house and you're kind of promised like, you know, hey, you know, we have a marketing department, we have this and we have that. Yeah. And you're like, you, all right, you know. <laughs> Sweet. Well, yeah, good. So I'm just going to basically turn off my social media now. I'm going to yeah. do this. I'm gonna, just going to wait. And there's somebody else figured this out for me already. Yeah. Which, like, is it the way it works? No. It's no. the same when, when, when you have a manager or somebody, somebody who wants to be better at Momotoko, probably going to be and tell you like you know hey you know this and this is you know you know where i want to be it's yeah. like well start doing it yeah you know don't ask me yeah. for like three and a half k like salary and then like, you expect to be handed to you yeah like yeah, exactly. like if you can sh- first i mean it sounds I, I know it can sound brutal when you're younger that you know you have to work for it before you can get it of course yeah. if you're like a hundred percent entrepreneur and you come from like that you don't you have to work for free for a long time to yeah. have it. But when you already work for a company and you know you can give, yeah. you kind of still want kind of, you know, as in at advance, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. So. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, for a, what, the way in, the working industry in itself has changed entirely. Yeah. But, you know, for, I, I'm really lucky all of our staff, are, you know, we have, we have a really good team uh, at Momotoko and we have a lot of people that, you know, are looking to grind and learn and develop and not just for themselves but for the company and we're really lucky that way yeah um but hey i i want to talk about shinobi all right because this is shinobi is a really interesting thing for me you know of course we're kind of competitors but kind of not um (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know i i speak with a lot of people you know for those people watching shinobi oh yes um I, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, entrepreneurship here is very different to Australia. And, in, you know, there's this huge, like, uh, you know, he's a competitor, so, you know, I'm not going to talk to him or I'm not going to deal with him. And we spoke about this in Stockman as well. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't understand where this came from. No. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, we compete. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't, that's, it doesn't matter. The more ramen that there is the more customers that are exposed to ramen and exposed to Japanese food and yeah. the better, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's pointless trying to think that we're fighting over the same customer because no, we're not. Yeah, that's that's the biggest <laughs> or like the dumbest thing about it. 100%. And now, of course, there's like lines you don't cross. Like you don't, you don't copy paste the other guy's like recipe. You don't go after his staff aggressively. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if it's a natural thing, it's fine. But yeah. then again, you have to be honest about it, yeah. you know, and that's why it's important that we know each other. Because yeah. otherwise there's going to be stupid bad blood between b- because of no reason. Yeah. And when it comes to like um, being competitors, it's like I would say your competitor, if let's say you, you're at a beach trip at a tourist location and you have five Italian restaurants next to each other, that's competing. Yeah. Then you're like, then <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, t- yeah, like, exactly. like, yeah, but then again, like um, you got to make sure your signboard is a little bit further out than the yeah. other guys. <laughs> yep, you have to have yeah. two guys more flipping yeah. there. You know, but you know, because it's interesting. You know, we see what the the word competitor is something that can affect you negatively. Yeah, right. So you either win or lose. It's the idea of competition. So, but we don't see Volt and Foodor as competitors, even though they negatively affect the way in which we operate. Oh yeah. So it's interesting it because is, yeah. right because technically we compete on a marketplace 
which doesn't have physical locations, which isn't, you know, determined by the guy living upstairs above the building or, you know, whether our shops are yeah. 500 meters apart, we compete directly on, on those kind of platforms. So it's so strange that we, we all are so open to just being like, oh yeah, of course I'll take Vault and Foodora and you know, yeah. we, we need those delivery platforms. But then I'm like, but I'm not gonna go talk to Jesper because he's in the same food category. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I mean, uh, in any case, like just to know, like let's say, let's say the, let's say the when when a year ago when or two years ago when, well somewhere in the time warp when, when Kespra was supposed to buy Heino. Yeah. If, if that deal would have gone through, like imagine the monopoly that would have had. hundred oh, percent. So, so like, and when it when it comes to like. You want a banana? Yeah. This is how much it costs. Exactly, <laughs> and this is the whole thing. Like you know, we yeah. can, like let's say you know your your ramen machine malfunctions, so you have to start buying it. So where would you get the reference price for the price you're getting offered if you only have one place to ask? Yeah. Or if you don't know anybody else. Exactly. And what is it like for me that I would be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna trick him to buy it more expensive. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not like gonna change that your customers are still gonna come to your location. Yeah. And it doesn't really like, if you're doing a, a bit better or worse, it like, how, how is it like anything from me? Exactly. You know, I it's, don't, I don't it's, get it's, it. it's petty. So Shinobi, now I know you've been in and out of renovations. Yeah. And, you know, also you kind of started at an awkward time with COVID and stuff as well. Yes. But what's the idea behind it? You know, where where's the inspiration come from? Talk to me about it. Well, as I said, it, it's my first, like, uh, how should I say it? It was my, the first idea was probably in 2016 after the trip to Tokyo. And then I was thinking like, okay, I developed Hanko for, you know, a certain, you know, there's, you know, there's places you can take it, but it's, you know, it's going to be, you know, a grown child pretty much soon or it's in its teens. So, you know, it's, it's going to have its growing pains, but you know, it's already. It's plateauing. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, 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 you know, there's so much, there's not so much you could mess around with it at yeah. this point that, and, uh, but then again, as I said, I fell in love in Japan also like, of course, sushi was one thing, but you know, you know, the other side of the food culture culture was something I wanted to take with me. And uh, and yeah, to be honest with you, like what you did with Momotoko was something I already was, you know, we were discussing and I was planning like to do something similar. Yeah. But most of our energy was like at that, that time still like just, you know, you know, getting the next company sold or somewhere else or developing Hanko. So yeah. the time just wasn't right yeah. for it. Well, it was kind of because Momotoko was 2015. So you yeah. were just going through that acquisition phase. You had like exactly. huge expectations from the purchaser, all that kind of thing. Yeah, we, we had different concepts. We had like already, you know, they purchased a pizza place and a Mexican place. And, right. you know, so it, right. it wasn't in that plan, but I wanted to get it in there. Yeah. So, which was like funny, I remember, because when you took over uh, the Harita place next to Hanko at Yumba, like, like, cause I was beating myself up a bit because that was basically what I would have done to that location. And then, then when it was doing good, it had more customers like during lunchtime than Hanko, even though, you know, you have less seats. And then I remember some was like, yeah, like we should do something like that. And I was just like, if I would have hair, I would just be pulling it. I was like, like, you know, kind of tried to tell you, but you know, but then again, as I said, like I beat myself up because I, 
maybe wasn't vocal enough at that point of it. But then again, uh, the whole concept I developed in or started developing in 2016. So already like was Shinobi, but of course not under that name. And then again, we when we did uh, Tokyo at Stockman, that was just like a part of it because yep. it, it I already knew like what I want to do. It's just going to be depending on what the location is going to be. Yeah. So now when a location came that, you know, you know, you could do some grilling, yep. you can have a izakaya, you can have a kind of a bar. It's going to be more like an evening place. Yeah. So then definitely from those hazy late nights at, at Tokyo, like, you know, from my or Japan trips in general, I just wanted to take that with yep. me because yep. that was something I was really missing and something like I, I would consider we need, never really had in Helsinki either. Yeah, totally so. agree. Yeah, totally agree. And actually, uh, many of my managers come to your come oh, yeah. to Shinobi, yeah, and they they all really enjoy it. And uh, so, what's what's kind of your core product or core focus for Shinobi? Like our focus, I mean, we're we're all about social dining. Yeah. Okay. In the evening, it, it is of course it's uh, how should I say it? it for somebody, it must, might be like exciting and uh, experience, of yep. course, like the. We have two, two or three sides basically to the restaurant. We have the shokuda side, which is more, more kind of if you're gonna wanna come on a date. Yep. You bring your missus and you're gonna be sitting there for like two and a half hours, three hours, and you know have a, a bit of a longer menu. Yep. And then when you come to the izakaya side, then you basically come for a drink first and food seconds. Okay. You know? So that's cool. really yeah. kind of like more walk-in, like optimum place for uh, kind of a unplanned visit. Yep. Or, you know, just after work, you're, you have time. You have time for yourself. That's yeah. the place you come Have to. a drink and then you decide, oh, you're hungry. and Yeah, or the other way around. Yeah, you, you, know, around you, you come in and, you, you know, it's, you know, you, we got you covered. Yeah. You know, you have good food and good beer and, you cool. know, good what, drinks. What's your you biggest selling to. product at the moment? Or what's the most popular? Uh, I mean, of course, you know, yakitoris are always, like, big. Yeah. Especially on the Shokuda side, that's been. But, you know, then again... For some for some people, maybe a bit surprisingly, also like the vegetarian stuff, like the uh, miso marinated eggplant has been huge. Yep, that's definitely one of their one of them. Okay, miso buttered scallops, amazing. Oh, Soy nice. sauce ice cream. Oh man, sounds good. That, that's and then of course, of course, like a heap of cocktails when the weekend comes. There. Yeah. We have, uh, yeah. We have some nice stuff oh, there. Oh, sounds good. I have to. Uh, man, I have to. I have to come visit. You do. You do. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm heading to Australia at the end of the month for 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 a little trip, so I yeah. think I have to come and. I mean, you have to when when you come to the city. Of course, like we're open open from Tuesday to Saturday, or the Isa guys yeah. open Tuesday to Saturday, and the Shoko decide is Wednesday. From Saturday. five o'clock, right? Uh, what what time? Four o'clock, basically. Uh, four o'clock, okay. Already in the door. Okay, cool. So depending on where you want to sit, yep. it depends a bit. But you know, apart from that, it's usually uh, bookings needed. Uh, not uh, only on the Shokuda side is like it's it's better if you have a booking because it sells out like okay like I mean it, it's been fully booked for the most after we opened that's awesome to hear man it, it is but then again you know uh, th thanks but then again I have to say like we've been also like uh, careful with it like yeah you know you want to find the balance between because I mean we're so young still we're on our first year yeah and we want I mean I usually I, I have a goal. Yeah, with the team and it is like that everybody leaves happy yep like the staff and the customers and in that order yep 
So we want to also like, you know, we want to make sure that everybody has a good, you know, experience during work. Yep. So then you can really give your best to the customers. Yep. So if, if we take too much people in at the same time and trying to be like greedy about it, it, it backfires for you in the long run yeah. anyway. And of course we've done that. And of yeah. course we made mistakes about, you know, taking, to, you know, cause you don't know how the kitchen work, the capacity goes or how the food, food, food is going to go when you have a new menu for the first half a year. Definitely. But then, you know, you learn. Definitely. And then, uh, but yeah, take up, <laughs> do make a booking if you want to come on the show. Go to I, I think I will. There's so, of, of course, counter seats and everything that, you know, okay. you can, but we squeeze it, we squeeze it to the maximum capacity. I might when we test are. it out, come 7.30 on Friday. And just yes. See, yeah, see yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be the guy who calls like, Hey buddy, I'm here oh, now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, for people that are trying to find Shinobi, what's the, what's the, the link to their Instagram and website? Instagram is uh, Shinobi Restaurant, and I think uh, website is yeah Shinobi Pista Fee. Okay, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 I'm kidding. But we also just you know recently did our website again, and of course I know it's um, the biggest challenge for us is like to communicate with the customers also beforehand that they understand where they're coming to. Hundred percent. And we got some great exposure from Helsingin Sanomat in. I believe it was in August. Yep. And we got a nice four-star review for the place, and that filled up the like the booking. I mean, we were already at that time we were fully booked Friday, Saturday, for the most. But then again, it also pumped up Wednesday, Thursday, yep. and you just notice, like the week after, like you have a lot of people coming in the door, even though they read the review, but they don't really understand, like the place. Yep. And I remember we had the before that came out I said okay we're having so much hype behind us now that it's only a matter of time until somebody makes a review but when it comes out we have to remember what was our like what are we doing here why and how we work nobody other is going to determine what kind of place we are than we are 100% so we have to remember when we get criticized or asked about stuff like this is what we're doing yep and not 100%. like be apologetic and try to change stuff, especially in the beginning phase. Yeah. If we don't think it's for the best. Hundred, I totally agree. Yeah. And uh, man, it's a beautiful restaurant and I'm really, really looking forward to coming and eat there. And, uh, and you know, I have to, we've, we've talked quite a bit now. I want to talk more about, <laughs> I want to talk more about Shinobi, but let's, let's do another podcast uh, when you're a few months in and, and uh, yeah. All right. Check it out. I really enjoyed catching up with you, man. It was yes, really the good. Same. And uh, uh, yeah, we have to do it again for sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.